Hello everyone, welcome back to Talking Politics. We have a really exciting episode for you today and I've been looking forward to it for a long time. And we're going to be discussing Kanzuk. So I'm sort of on the fence when it comes to Kanzuk. I, and I'm, I'm speaking from a position of ignorance here. So to help me out and to sort of push me off, we have James Skinner, who is possibly the best man in the world to do that for us. And uh, he's the founder and the chief executive of the Kanzuk movement or Kanzuk International. And it's really wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. Absolutely. So what exactly is Kanzuk and why should Canadians want it? Yeah, so it's, it's a convoluted topic, but simply put, Kanzuk is uh, an acronym uh, for Canada, Australia, New Zealand and the United Kingdom. And what we at Kanzuk International do is we essentially uh, aim to advance the diplomatic ties between these four countries. Um, it, like I say, it's very conv convoluted, really, but there's three main aspects that, that we're essentially trying to aim for. Uh, the first one is probably the most popular uh, aspect of the movement, and that is facilitated migration, uh, which is essentially that citizens between these four countries could live, work and travel uh, freely without uh, visas or work permits like we currently have at the moment. The second side of it would be free trade. Uh, where obviously these four countries can trade freely with each other, which of course implies the removal of barriers to commerce and lower consumer you know, products, more availability of consumer products. And then the third and final one would be uh, foreign policy uh, cooperation, which essentially means uh, these four countries would work together uh, for security, for intelligence, basically building on the relationships that they already have founded with the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. So that implies extra national security and also just a safer um, sort of society, you know, within these four countries and for the world in general. So really, it's those three main aspects that we're aiming for being the migration, trade and foreign policy cooperation between these four countries. Right. And every time I see a poll on Kanzuk, I'm almost astonished by how popular it is. You know, it's, it's, in, the, uh, it's in the 60s and 70% in New Zealand, yeah. Australia, Canada and Britain. Why is that? Uh, we're just as astonished ourselves. Like, you know, when we actually commissioned the first polling, we didn't expect it to be uh, that high. We even had a, quite a considerable amount of support in Quebec, which we thought would be quite low, but that turned out to be close to the 60th percentile too. Um, for me, and of course I'm biased in this, but for me, I, I think the, the high percentage support in these countries is that we share so much in common uh, through our ancestry and also just through our, you know, close bonds that we have on the international sphere too. Um, you know, just, just to name a few of the, the similarities that we have, you know, we, we share the same majority language being English, we share the same uh, common law legal system, the same Westminster style parliamentary system, uh, same respect for human rights and the rule of law and democracy. Uh, you know, we have very good economic growth rates, very good GDP per capita rates, uh, very low unemployment, very good healthcare systems. The list goes on and on and on as to why we're so compatible for, you know, implementing facilitated migration or free movement, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and also as well, you know, trade and foreign policy, you know, these countries, we, we work together so well in, in the international sphere, you know, whether it's the United Nations, or whether it's, you know, with, with maybe NATO or uh, the Five Eyes Intelligence Network, as I've already mentioned. So I think for us to develop this further is, is, is a natural progression of that relationship. And I think it's obviously, as polling has shown, it's something that's widely supported across the four countries too. Yeah, I was interested to see that it was so popular in Quebec. And 60% is, of course... Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously less compared to Ontario, but yeah. these people don't, the Quebecois, they don't share the same heritage as, say, English Canadians mm -hmm. do. They don't share the same language, as you mentioned. 
and yet it's really popular and, and i'm struggling to understand why yeah it's um we, we were shocked it was going to be that high we thought it would be in the 40th or the 50th percentile but it was actually in the i, I from memory i think it was like close to the 60th percentile but yeah. i think again like you say you're exactly right you know the the majority languages of course you know french and um you know they, they don't really share the same cultural or historical ancestry i guess you can say you know as you know the british or australians or new zealanders but at the same time it's also that kanzuk for the Quebecois offers, you know, multitude of opportunities. You know, for example, if you are a, uh, you know, a citizen of Quebec, you know, a Canadian citizen living in Quebec, you have the opportunity to go and live and work and study in Australia, New Zealand, or the UK if you so choose to. You know, if you want to set up a business in Australia or New Zealand, you can go and do that. Uh, if you want to go and study in the UK at one of the top universities in the United Kingdom, you have that opportunity to go and do that, whereas you wouldn't have that opportunity if you were, say, independent or from another country. So I think, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, the that there are differences there, but of course the opportunities remain the same, you know, uh, as other Canadians, simply that, you know, it's a wide variety of opportunities for them to undertake. And, you know, I think that's the reason why majority of them support it. Yes. But, you know, I think, yes, it is enormously important and popular for the Quebecois. So yeah, you can live in New Zealand, Australia or Britain, but I wonder how the CAQ would react if you said, well, equally so 130 million English speakers also have access to Quebec and I suspect one of the reasons why Kanzuk is so popular is because it still is quite a nebulous idea and when you look at the policies as a whole is when you start to see potential conflicts you know the EU was pretty popular once as well and then when we actually applied it <laughs> it found it wasn't yeah. great so I, I wonder, does that make it less realistic? Say, for that instance with the Quebecois, or take New Zealand, who recently, um, you know, put sort of a housing ban for uh, foreign citizens. You know, mm. if you said, well, well, I suppose Australians currently can, but if you said, well, the British, which is a country of 66 million people, and Canadians, a country of 36 million people, could have access to buy your property, then surely there'd be some reservation about it. Yeah, it was actually the same arguments that were brought up in uh, 1973, I, th I think, when, um, when Australia and New Zealand signed on to what was called the Trans-Tasman Travel Agreement. And that's the agreement that effectively is the foundation of Kansas, whereby Australian and New Zealand citizens can live and work freely in each other's countries, providing, of course, you don't have a criminal record, uh, you don't have terrorist affiliations, you don't have an infectious health condition. Uh, and other issues like that. So, you know, a New Zealander can freely live and work in Australia without any visas or work permits and vice versa. An Australian can live and work in New Zealand as well. Um, and the same arguments were brought in in the 1970s when they implemented that saying, well, you know, you've got Australia, which is a population of about 23 million people. And you've got tiny New Zealand, which is a population of about 4 million people. Uh, they were saying, well, you know, New Zealand is going to be inundated with Australians. They're all going to come to New Zealand. They're going to take our jobs. You know, there's going to be it's, it's going to be health play basically for it. But uh, the reality is, is that it never actually happened. Uh, not like what we've seen in the European Union, for example, where, you know, uh, the UK, Germany and France have seen an influx of people coming from Eastern Europe, uh, but they haven't seen the same return going the other way. So I think the reason for that, obviously, as well, is that there, there wouldn't be the same sort of conflict if Kansas was implemented, uh, quite simply because, like I say, you know, these countries are very similar um, and th there's no real, uh, I guess you could say, 
increased benefit from, from moving to those countries rather than your own personal. So whereas, you know, in, in the European Union, for example, there's an increased benefit from moving to a more prosperous country, simply because it's more prosperous. You know, you have better health care, better wages, better working conditions, and the list goes on. Whereas if you're moving from Australia to New Zealand, you know, the healthcare systems are very similar. You, you know, the, the working conditions are very similar. The human rights are very similar. You, you know, the, the pay is, you know, a little bit different, but it, it's, it's nowhere near compared to, say, if you were, you know, a, a citizen of India moving to the United Kingdom. You, you know, it, it would be minimal in comparison to that. So I think the same thing would happen as well with Kansas. Because like, you know, say with, you know, the UK and Canada, obviously Canada is a population of about 36 million people and the UK is about 64 million. So you could almost effectively say that, uh, the UK is double the population of Canada, but likewise, what you've seen with Australia and New Zealand, you wouldn't see the influx of migration coming from that, or you know, a, a horde of Englishmen coming across the Atlantic Ocean to come and take Canadian jobs, simply because you know the the, the qualities of life in these countries are so similar anyway. You know, nobody from the UK would move to Canada for better healthcare, and nobody from Canada would move to the UK for better pay. You know, it just simply doesn't happen that way because these countries are so well developed so economically similar and also have similar ties in that comparison too. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good point to bring up for sure. But, uh, you know, the same arguments were posed in the 70s with Australia and New Zealand and it never really happened. And, you know, if history tells us anything, it wouldn't happen with Kansas either. That's a good point, actually. I also have had the opportunity to sort of scroll through your website over recent days. And I noticed yeah. that on your advisory board, it's sort of filled to the brim with conservative politicians from a mm -hmm. anglo sphere. Yeah. I noticed how there was a slight omission of left-wing politicians. Why is mm. ANZUC being supported by conservatives and yet totally avoided by, you know, liberals or, or the Labour parties in, um, in Australia or New Zealand? Yeah, it's, it's a fair observation as well. So we haven't designed it that way. We are strictly a non-partisan organisation and we'll give a platform to anybody in any of the four countries who supports our proposals regardless of party affiliation. Um, why it is mostly supported by the Conservatives versus, say, the Liberals or the NDP, you know, speaking from a Canadian perspective, um, is anybody's guess, really. My own personal take on it is I think the Conservatives um, very more affiliated with, say, the Commonwealth, very more affiliated with ancestral ties. And, of course, Kansas strikes a chord with them because they think, well, these are the countries who we have great relations with on the international sphere. And uh, these are the countries who we have historical ties with, you know, that have lasted for generations. Whereas um, I, I would say perhaps the Liberals and NDP uh, would probably feel more affiliated with reaching out across, you know, oceans to, to form new relationships. So, for example, with China or whether with the Middle East or maybe African countries. Mm. And that's not to say e either, you know, line of thought is right or wrong. You know, everybody has their own reasons. Everybody has their own experiences for thinking these ways. But that's just my speculation on the reason. Um, but you, you are absolutely right. Obviously, you know, we are by non-design uh, appealing more to conservatives. But at the same time, we do also have a lot of support as well from, uh, I guess you could say politicians who are left of center as well as those who are on the conservative side too. So for example, in the UK, uh, we have a Kansas core party parliamentary group that is attended by members of parliament, you know, from the conservatives and also from labor and even the Scottish national party as well, which was a surprise to us. We didn't think they'd have any interest in it, but they actually do, yeah. And of course, as well, you look at New Zealand right now, the New Zealand government is uh, currently uh, being run by Jacinda Ardern, who's from the Labour Party. Uh, and I think Winston Peters is obviously the deputy uh, and they're working in coalition together. So you could argue it, it's a left of centre government, but at the same time, they've also expressed interest in Kansas. 
uh, especially through the trade aspect of it. So whereas right now they currently have a, a trade agreement with Australia called the Closer Economic Relations Trade Agreement. Uh, they're interested in, in enhancing that to become the Closer Commonwealth Economic Relations Trade Agreement. So that would include Canada and the UK into that too. So you are right. It's a great observation that we have had majority support from, I guess you could say, politicians who are right of center. Uh, that's anybody's guess as to why that's happened. You know, I've given my reasons why I think that is, and I could be right or wrong. But uh, at the same time, we also do have, you know, support from across the board to whether it's, you know, conservatives, Labour, Liberal Democrats, um, you know, Liberal, NDP, whatever it may be. So it's, uh, we like to think of it as, you know, we're a nonpartisan organization, also promoting a nonpartisan idea that would benefit anybody and everybody, regardless of their party affiliation. Yeah. Do you think it might also have something to do with your emphasis on the monarchy? Uh, potentially as well. I think that's another great point is that obviously, you know, I feel conservatives obviously have a bit, uh, you know, more of an allegiance to the monarchy than say, you know, those of left wing origin as well. So, you know, obviously we, we view the monarchy is, you know, sort of like a cornerstone of, of what was founded, you know, and also a cornerstone of the foundations of all of this. And of course, liberals, uh, maybe those left of center as well wouldn't have that same affiliation. But of course, you know, those who are conservative would have an affiliation to that. So you're absolutely right. That could equally be uh, a measure that's, that's considered in, in terms of, you know, conservatives supporting this more than, say, the liberals are. Right. Some of your detractors have said that Kanzuk is based upon ethnicity. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Um, I, I actually laugh when they say that because I, you know, just, just my personal um, observation on this is that I find those who are the biggest advocates of that train of thought are also the biggest advocates of the European Union. Right. So, you know, when you consider the European Union is 27 majority Caucasian countries, all of whom, as far as I can tell, have majority uh, Caucasian leaders, premiers and prime ministers and presidents as well. Um, I find it ironic that they then criticize Kansas, which is a union of four majority white countries being racist. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, the, the reality is, as I've said before, is that Kansas would work on so many levels simply because of the similarities and the economic prosperity that these four countries have to offer their citizens and the world, I think, you know, in terms of, um, you know, security, intelligence, trade, and also the migration aspect too. The fact that they are majority Caucasian is uh, simply a pure coincidence in the same way that majority that these countries are majority Christian, but you know, Kanzuk is not declaring war on Sikhism or Islam or any other religion in the world. It's just a coincidence that they happen to be majority Christian in the same way that they are majority white as well. But you know, m myself or my team, we've never focused on that. We've never advocated that to be a reason, and uh, we've never thought that of being a reason either. You know, if if it was a reason, if we were trying to bring in majority white countries into a, you know, into a sort of union in, in this way, we would have brought in Cyprus and Malta into it as well, but in this, we haven't done that either. So the arguments when people pose this to us just simply fall apart at the seams. So, um, you know, I, I find it quite humorous and I think, you know, it, it's good to have arguments from, from all sides and it's good to have debate on these topics as well. But at the same time, as long as people realize that that's not the case as to why we're advocating this and it's actually for much more, uh, much better reasons, you know, regarding prosperity, you know, economic growth and opportunity and freedom for people to travel between these countries. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. And I think major a vast majority of people see that as well. Yeah. But say if Jamaica or, you know, of course, he observes the monarchy, you speak English as a first language, yeah. um, was asked to join the Kansas Agreement, would you allow that? Uh, it would strictly depend. I mean, right now we would advise no, um, because we've actually done extensive research into this and we've, we've compared it with a lot of other countries as well. 
So the top contenders, I guess you could call them, that we've uh, been approached with are South Africa, India, uh, the Bahamas, and Jamaica. So taking Jamaica, for example, as you've mentioned, um, you know, or any country really, we, 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 you do have to be very careful as to what countries you would admit to a sort of a union or an alliance, I guess you could say, like this. So for example, if we were to, to admit Jamaica to it, uh, so it'd be a, a Kanzuk J, or I don't know how you fit the J into the acronym somewhere there. But the, the reason it would be, I, I would advise against that is simply because by admitting Jamaica into a, an alliance like this, you're not only causing harm to the Kanzuk countries, but you're also causing harm to the Jamaican economy as well. So for example, the GDP per capita in the United Kingdom right now, I think is, is hovering around you know, the, the, the $48,000 mark. I think in New Zealand, it's about 43. I think in Canada, it's about, uh, I think about 50. And I think in Australia, it's about 53. So these countries are, are relatively comparative and similar in terms of their GDP per capita. Now you compare that with Jamaica, which I think the last time I checked only has about a GDP per capita of about five to $7,000. Um, you know, there's a wide, wide divergence between the GDP per capita in Jamaica versus that of the Kansas countries. So if you were to admit Jamaica, for example, into this alliance, what you would effectively see is that you would um, basically have Jamaicans uh, saying, well, why would I stay in Jamaica where I can, you know, be a, a doctor or a pharmacist or an architect or whatever profession they may have? Uh, why would I stay here with, you know, less, you know, worse working conditions when I could simply move to a, a Kansas country? Not only have better working conditions, but I could have better social security and I could also have a tenfold increase on my pay. So what you would actually have is you'd have the best and brightest of Jamaica actually creating a brain drain from Jamaica to come to the Kansas countries in that sense. Um, so realistically, it would actually do more harm to the economy of Jamaica to have them as part of this alliance um, than it would be to leave them out in the first place. Now, that's not to say, you know, that Jamaica couldn't perhaps join in the future, providing it was decided upon democratically, not only by the people of the Kansas countries, perhaps via a referendum or something, uh, and also by the governments as well, mutually agreeing to it too. There's nothing to say that they couldn't do that in the future. Um, it's a very similar process we would advocate for and similar to what the European Union does right now, whereby if a, if a country is going to annex onto the European Union, um, they do have to meet certain criteria with regards to human rights, with regards to economic growth, and also with regards to uh, debt to GDP ratio. So providing Jamaica was able to improve its economic status and, you know, improve its human rights records and other issues like this. Um, and it was democratically decided by the people of Kansas, you know, by a referendum or by the governments or whatever it may be. Then there's nothing to say Jamaica couldn't come on into the future. But for the time being, just for the, I guess you could say, the economic soundness of Jamaica right now, we wouldn't advise it. And we would do exactly the same with India and South Africa as well, because right now their economies are simply not compatible to join on to a Kansas arrangement of that sort, if that makes sense. Right. So Britain is leaving, slowly but surely, the European Union. And yeah. how has this affected Kansas? It, it must have made it more of a real possibility, right? It has. Um, Brexit was actually a huge development for our campaign, um, simply because, you know, with the, Europe, with the UK as part of the European Union, uh, the UK had its hands tied, really, you know, with development of trade and migration policy. But what we've had now with the, I guess you could call it the independence vote in 2016, and uh, also as well, the official departure that, that we saw earlier this year, 
is that the UK now has tremendous opportunities to negotiate trade arrangements with other countries around the world. And we've been campaigning hard in the UK to say that, you know, for, for about 48% of your country, it, it's, it's a real shame that we've left the EU. For 52%, you know, it's great. But for 100% of the country, we want Kanzak to be the next big thing uh, for you guys, you know, in terms of the freedom, the opportunity that you have to travel and live and work and study, uh, the trade arrangements that will increase economic growth and prosperity, and also as well increase security through foreign policy cooperation through enhancing the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance. So we've been campaigning really hard to make sure that in the UK, people understand that Kanzak is a viable alternative to EU membership. And uh, also as well, that it's going to benefit everybody as well, not only the governments, but also the citizens of the, of the UK too. So Brexit was instrumental in, in, in helping out our campaign for sure and allowing us to be able to, you know, reach the UK um, and, and say to them, you know, here's a viable alternative for you now that we're leaving the European Union. But a, a large part of the grievances that the British had with the EU was sort of the devolution of power and the lack of control. If you were to, say, join Kanzuk, and enact free movements of people, then surely it's sort of, you know, jumping out of the hot water and into the sort of boiling pot, or however the expression goes. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, for sure. It's um, one thing we, we have always said from the very get-go of our campaign is that we aim to be absolutely nothing like the European Union. So it's not um, a I'm sorry, can you say that again? It's not a political project. No, 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 absolutely not. No. So uh, effectively, what we are advocating for is that um, we would join onto the agreements already established between Australia and New Zealand. And that's both the trade and the migration agreements. The migration agreement being the Trans-Tasman Travel Agreement and the trade arrangement being the Closer Economic Relations Trade Agreement. Mm -hmm. um, both countries, you, you will notice, are sovereign, independent nations. You know, they don't rely on a centralized currency. They don't rely on a centralized parliament. They don't have a central court system. Uh, they are sovereign, independent, and as far as I'm aware, they're always going to be as well. All we're simply advocating for is that Canada and the United Kingdom would join onto that arrangement. So instead of two independent sovereign nations, it would be four independent sovereign nations. So every country would keep its currency, every country would keep its parliament. There'd be you know, full autonomy with regards to decision-making and law-making between these four countries. Uh, there'd be no centralized court system, nothing of the sort. It would just simply be four independent countries. But what they would work towards is, is basically increased opportunity through migration, uh, trade, and foreign policy cooperation, as what Australia and New Zealand are currently doing right now. So we've always said that from the get-go, we would be nothing like the European Union. There'd be no centralization of power. And, you know, citizens of the UK would not have to worry about, you know, jumping from one sort of, you know, uh, I guess you could say centralized federalist union into another. It would be nothing of the sort. Right. We're, this is my last question. It's a real shame. We've, we've totally burned previous interviews. <laughs> Things because I'm enjoying it so much. But yeah, me too. <laughs> what would have to happen in order to make Kansas a possibility? What are the next steps in each of these countries? And, and yep. how real is it, you know? Yeah, I, I, well, answer how real is it? I think it's obviously a very, you know, very real prospect for sure. I mean, if, if, if somebody said to you in the 1950s, if we were alive in the 1950s and someone said to you, hey, I've got this idea of, uh, you know, uniting 28 countries across the European Union, all of whom have, you know, beaten the hell out of each other in, in a recent war. But I think we can make this work. We can unite 28 countries, you know, have a centralized court system and a currency. You would look at them as if they were crazy. But lo and behold, the European Union is, you know, it, it's, it's working today and it, it's there before our very eyes. But, you know, so to say that you could have, you know, a union of 28 countries, um, all of whom 
uh, speak different languages, have different cultures, have different court systems, you know, have, have different ancestral backgrounds uh, and, and see that they can function, you know, as a sort of a, a union in that sense. Uh, I, there's no reason why an alliance of four, um, you know, sovereign independent countries, uh, you know, all of whom share a majority language, the same, you know, ancestral ties, the same parliamentary system, the same Westminster style system, uh, you know, common law legal system, you know, very good GDP per capita rates, you know, the same similarities that, as I've mentioned before, there's absolutely no reason why those four countries would not make it work either. Uh, to make it happen as well, I, I mean, it's a bit tricky because what we at Cantica International essentially advocate for is not just change within one country, as I think 99% of all nonprofits do. We're advocating change within four countries, really, which makes it four times harder. Mm. So, of course, what you then have is you then have four different governments, some of whom will be perhaps, you know, left leaning, some will be right leaning. Some will have different uh, sort of, you know, party agendas. Some will put Kanzik at the top of the list. Some will put Kanzik at the bottom of the list. So it can be very difficult to navigate those waters when there's such difference of opinion, uh, especially across these different time zones as well. But, you know, what we are effectively doing is we're working tirelessly to, you know, basically advocate for Kanzik across all governments to make sure that everybody understands that this is beneficial for everybody, regardless of what government you may be in, whether it's left wing, right wing, you know, Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, it does not matter. So effectively what we will need is, is for these, you know, the governments of these countries to come together, whether it's through, you know, sort of convention or whether it's through, you know, some sort of conference in the future or just through regular government lobbying to understand the benefits of this, come together, realize that this is beneficial and it's also easily implemented as well because we already have the templates uh, put in place for trade and migration, you know, via what Australia and New Zealand are doing right now. And just for them to bring Canada and the UK into that and say, yeah, this is actually going to be a good idea. And, you know, it, it will take time. You know, it's not going to be something that's going to happen tomorrow or next week, but we're very confident that, in, you know, in the next couple of years or so, we can actually make this a reality. So, you know, we've got high hopes and we're, we're very confident that it's going to happen. Wonderful. Well, James, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It's been enormous fun. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, you know, having me, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for having me on the show as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely.